Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. This morning we have a guest speaker. His name is Tim Hagen. I've known Tim for a long, long time. I consider him a friend. I also consider him someone who sharpens me spiritually. And the fact that we're still friends, we know it's Jesus. I'm writing a book right now. It says, everybody loves Charlie, and then they don't. And he doesn't have a chapter. <laughs> but he's, he's been doing prison ministry for 31 years. And, you know, when, when, when you're a senior leader and you're responsible for a city, you're responsible for a region, you, you look for those leaders, and he is absolutely one of the leaders in the kingdom of God. Strong businessman, been preaching in the prison for 31 years. When we talked about this, he wanted to know if he could get everybody in stripes to make him feel comfortable. <laughs> so, but uh, he, he's gifted. Um, he, he walks in the fivefold. When Kathy, our elder, and Anthony go and preach in the prison. They come under his leadership and under his authority. And so I just want you to welcome Tim Hagen. And the basket is open. Just, we do the trading floors. So when revelation comes, so I wanted to warn you that if they're bringing money up, they're not, you know, in the prison, you dodge. <laughs> you know, don't dodge. No one's coming after you. But I just, I just want to uh, welcome my friend, Tim. Amen. God's good. Amen. I got a whole bunch of stuff, so give me just a second to get set up. I'm going to introduce myself just a, a few moments. Uh, I, I know a lot of you in here, and I know people from one of three places. I have really a small world. Um, I know you from either church, or I know you from work, or I know you from prison. <laughs> so... Uh, if, um, if I say hi to you, I'm, I'm thinking, where do I know them from? I don't remember uh, names as well as I do faces, so um, good to see some of you, and I, I hope your cars are still driving well, and if they're not, see, well, I can't point you to Anthony. He no longer works with me. Uh, Anthony worked with me for 10 years, and uh, uh, it, was, it was a, a roller coaster at, at best, you know, but uh, we, we, you know, Jonathan and David had each other, and I'm sure that they didn't get along all the time, but they had each other, you know, and um, it was a huge blessing, and it was a huge loss when Anthony decided to to uh, venture out and wish him well, and Kamani, I honor you uh, and pray for you every day. <laughs> so, uh, um, listen, I, I uh, a lot of times people ask me, what, how do you get, how do you get in prison ministry, and I didn't get in prison ministry by singing off-key in the church choir. Um I was not raised in the faith. Uh, my dad was an ex-Marine Corps gunny sergeant who was an alcoholic, and, and he, was a, he was a hard man. Um, church was for sissies and old people. And uh, I always had a call, and I always had a, a, an unction in my, in my heart for God, but it was, it was squished. So at 17 years old, I joined the Army and uh, started trying to be a man. Um, at 17 in the Army, I got involved with the wrong crowd. It didn't take me long. Um, 
after a few major mistakes, they asked me to leave. I came home and uh, got involved with another wrong crowd and started um, drinking and partying and, and uh, the wrong bars, the wrong places, the wrong people. Um, I started on the, it's a joke that I started at the Fountain Blue Racket Club, a really nice bar on one side of town and ended up behind a uh, outlaw biker bar in, in uh, Reddick, Florida. I don't know if you know, where, but I was doing life on the installment plan, going in and out of jail. Um, I just, uh, I knew of God. I wanted God. I would read the Bible high and ask God to change my heart and nothing would, nothing would ever change. Uh, January 13th, 1988. I woke up and I had a broken nose, broken hand, two black eyes, long hair. I had a mullet back then. I don't know if you guys know mullets. Mullets are coming. They're coming back. And uh, they, they, uh, I woke up and I, uh, what I would do is I would write bad checks on a closed account so I could go into an $8 a night hotel and I could turn on the TV and I could hear people, but I didn't have to be around anyone. The emptiness inside my soul was tangible. Um, I couldn't drink enough. I couldn't ingest enough drugs. I couldn't, uh, and I, there wasn't, my drug of choice was more. Um, I, there, there wasn't enough for me. And uh, I woke up that morning and, and there was a guy beating on the door saying, your check's no good. And the police are on their way. So I did what convict does. I pushed him out of the way, jumped in my stolen car and, and uh, drove off. I popped a warm beer because my hands were shaking so bad. And I looked down and I found a three-inch Magnum shotgun shell in my car. And I decided what I was going to do is go to a friend's house, borrow a shotgun, go in the bathroom, and end my life. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got there and uh, asked to borrow his shotgun. And he had pawned it the day before. And I was like, oh, Lord, I, I can't even do this. And as I was leaving, and this is how God, how good God is. As I was leaving the house, no one knew where I was at. I was I had 18 warrants out for my arrest and violation of probation, a stolen car. The state was looking for me. Drug dealers were looking for me. Um, and I really would be more comfortable if you guys were all in orange or blue or something. And um, I started to walk out of the house where I was at, and, and I was on the run. Um, the phone rang in this old man's house that I was at, picked up the phone, and this is my phone, and he picked it up, and he said, uh, yeah, yeah, he's standing right here and handed me the phone. I said, uh, who's this? And he said, it's Jerry Campbell. Back up about seven years. <clears throat> Jerry Campbell was an ex-convict who did eight years in prison for bank robbery to support his drug habit. Same road I was heading on. Got radically saved in prison up at Rayford in the, at the Rock. And, and, and four years into his prison sentence, he became a uh, Christian and radically saved, went to college in prison and became a drug and alcohol counselor. When I was incarcerated, he was, my, he was my counselor, and he and I would lift weights together, and he'd tell me about the love of Jesus, and I would tell him that's for sissies and old people. And, um, and if you look up convict in the dictionary, Jerry's picture would be there. That's what he looks like. And um, he, uh, he just happened to call that number. And, and long and short of it is, I said, what do you want? He goes, if, Tim, if you don't get off the street today, you're either going to die or spend the rest of your life in prison. And I knew he was right, but I didn't know what to do. And uh, he said, um, if you'll come in, we'll talk, and I hope you get off the street. I said, I'll come in under two circumstances. One, there's no police. Jerry said, Tim, I'm an ex-convict. I don't care for it any more than you do. And I said, the second thing is you tell me how you got this phone number because no one knows where I'm at. And he was a spirit-filled man. He said, Tim, the Holy Spirit gave me that phone number, told me you'd be standing there, and if you don't make it in today, you're not going to make it. And I, and I 
By the grace of God, I listened to him. I jumped in my stolen car. I went to see him. He sent me from Ocala to Eustis. He said, go to the Waterman Medical Center. They're expecting you. Go to the second floor. There's a room 211. Knock on the door, and they'll let you in. So I went there and knocked on this big steel door, and they let me in. But what he didn't tell me was it was a psychiatric ward. So I I get in there, and they say, are you suicidal? And I handed him my shotgun shell, and about four big guys jumped on me and took all my clothes and handed me a paper smock and stuck me in an 8 by 12 padded cell. And, you know, CeCe Winan sings this song, you weren't there the day that Jesus found me, and you weren't there the day that he wrapped his loving arms around me. And I can't explain to you what happened, but about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I got on my face before God, and I, I wear long sleeves when I preach because I don't want to offend you with my tattoos, but I had 18 warrants out for my arrest, violation of probation. I was a crack addict, heroin addict, drug addict, biker, violent, mean, empty man. And I got on my face before God, and I said, if you'll have something to do with a man like me, I want to give you my life. I don't know what that looks like, but 4 o'clock in the afternoon, January 13th, 1988, I was born again. And uh, Jesus Christ has been the Lord of my life. The only time I've been back to prison in the last 32 years is to preach the gospel. Saying God is good. And see, the, the scripture that God used to call me into the ministry was 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who comforts us in all of our troubles that we may be able to comfort others with the same comfort with which we ourselves were comforted of God. He didn't call me to pastor a church. He cleaned me up like he did the demoniac who begged Jesus, let me go with you in your ministry. And he said, no, go home and show yourself to the people that saw you nuts. And they'll know that the revelation of God is is real. So God didn't call me to minister and pastor a church. He called me to go back into the prisons and the jails where they came out of, because there's not a prisoner that's sitting in any one of my church services that can ever say, I don't understand. And there's an anointing on that and, a, and an authority in that that that's Anthony you, and 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 we get to we get to do wonderful things. I get to see people saved. I get to see murderers come to Christ. I get to see people changed. I've I've watched people's faces, their their actual faces change from what they were to when, what they look like when they give their life to Christ. It's it's amazing, but. It, 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 God never surprises me in that what he lays on my heart to share, he always confirms. And so I'm going to go through a lot of scripture with you. I got to find my glasses. When I started, I had long hair and it was black. I got, nope, don't, those are somebody else. I'll be, <laughs> I got to have these. I, um, but one of the things that I want to share with you is, is Scripture. This, I, I, you know, the Bible is alive. I, I can't tell you. I have, a, I have a, a seven or eight guys that come over. Me and my wife run a ministry in our house called a life group. I don't know if you guys do life groups, but we have seven families come over to our house. And we always go out on the back porch. The men stay in, or go out on the back porch. I don't know how that works, but the women stay inside in the air conditioning. And we go out in the back and we talk. And we talk about the things that that um, are going on in our lives and sin issues and, and things that you're having rust, wrestling with. And it never ceases to amaze me how many Christians don't pick up this thing. They don't spend time in the Word. And they don't spend time in God's Word. And if you don't spend time in God's Word, you won't hear Him speak. 
And if you don't hear him speak, you won't have the revelation that you need for today's day. And we need revelation. We need God's food. We need his breath. We need his word in us so that we can accomplish what he's called us to accomplish. Amen? So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm a, um, I'm an ordained Southern Baptist minister who's baptized in the Holy Ghost. So I'm, I, I couldn't say that I'm a Baptocostal, but what I'm, I, I actually am a, just a child of God who's spirit filled. Amen. If God said it in his word, I just believe that it's there and I want it. Amen. So if you will open your word, we're going to go to a lot of, lot of scripture. And the reason that I want to go to a lot of scriptures, I want to show you something that I, I've been reading this word for 32 years, and it's alive. It, it, I, how many of you have ever read something in Scripture, and then you read it again on a certain day, and it, it's something else God reveals to you, and it's exactly what you need to hear that day, but you've read it a thousand times before. So I'm going to go with you to this, and I can, I can promise you, well, I don't, can't promise you, but I, I, I would guess, venture to guess that none of you have seen what, what God showed me for you guys. So turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 3, and we'll begin there. But what I want to talk to you about today is I want to talk to you about warfare in worship. And it, <laughs> I want to talk to you about warfare in worship. And, and how many of y'all believe that we're still in a war? Amen. How many of you think that that war is intensifying? I, I believe that, 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 that the time is short and that the enemy knows that his time is short and that he's upping his game and the church needs to do the same. So we're in a war. Amen. So listen to this. We're going we're gonna to jump into this. And, and, and if I were to ask most of you, what did God or what did Solomon ask God for when he was taking over as king? Most of you would say wisdom. Okay. Well, watch this. I got, <laughs> if y'all were wearing blue, I wouldn't need the water. <laughs> now watch this. Watch this. Um, uh, let me get to the right one here. First Kings chapter three, verse five. Listen to this. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said to him, "Ask what shall I give you?" And Solomon said, "You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, in an upright." uprightness of heart, righteousness with you. You have continued with great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on the throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father. This is Solomon speaking. You have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child, and I do not know how to go out and come in. And your servant is in the midst of people of whom you have chosen, who are great people, too numerous to be numbered. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that he may discern between good and evil. And then further down, it says in verse 12 that he gave him a wise and understanding heart. But go back to verse 7. Now, O Lord, you have made your servant king instead of your father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out and come in. So Solomon says to God, there's something that my dad knows how to do that I don't know how to do. And because he doesn't know how to do this, he says, Lord, I know that I need wisdom, but I also need to know how to do something that David knew how to do, but I don't know how to do it. So teach me how to do this. And this phrase is to go out and come in. 
So when I read this, listen, whenever you see something in the Bible and it jumps off the page or you go, what does that mean? Go look. So I started looking. What does that mean? What does that phrase mean to go out and come in? So I started looking. Numbers chapter 27. Listen to this. Moses said, chapter 15, or, or 27 verse 15, I'm sorry. Then Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let the Lord God of spirits of all flesh set men over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep who have no shepherd. So Moses is looking for people to help lead the congregation. He says, listen, one quality I want from them is I want somebody who knows how to go out and somebody who knows how to come in. And, and if they don't know how to do that, I don't know that I can use them. De Deuteronomy. Check this out. Deuteronomy 31, verse 1 and 2. Now this is about when Moses is getting ready to retire, and he says to this to them, Then Moses went and spoke these words to all of Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. That is not the normal age for a retirement of a pastor. Charlie, if you make it there, praise God. And he said, I am no longer, and he said, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. So here Moses is, and he's getting ready to retire. And the reason that he's getting ready to retire isn't because of his age. The reason he's getting ready to retire is because he can no longer go out, and he can no longer come in. Amen? All right, <laughs> So he said, listen, in, in the curses and the blessings, it says in Deuteronomy 26, blessed are you when you what? Come in, and blessed will you be when you go out. Jesus even used this phrase in the New Testament. John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the gate. Who enter, whoever enters through me, it will be said, he will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, I've read that a hundred times, and I never saw that phrase, and that phrase jumped out at me. So what are they talking about? So listen, one thing neat about the Bible is the Bible always defines itself. It will always define itself. So I started looking to find out what did this phrase really refer to, and I found it because God's good. Joshua, turn to Joshua chapter 14, verse 11. And this is Joshua and Caleb getting, they're talking and they're getting ready to go into the promised land and they're the only two that get to go in because they had a good report. Verse 11. As yet I am strong. This is uh, um, Caleb talking. He said, as yet I am strong this day as I was on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. So going out and coming in is a military term. It's a term about being able to go out and fight your battle and to be able to come in. And Moses said, if I want somebody to lead my congregation, I want somebody who knows how to do that, who can go out to war and who can come in from war. And Solomon says, listen, not only do I need wisdom, but I need something that my father David was able to do that I didn't know how to do, and that was David knew how to go out to war, and David knew how to come in from war. And guys, listen, God, are we in a warfare? Yes. 
then we ought to we ought to understand this principle and understand that God is calling us to go out to war and to come in from war. And if we don't know how to do that, we will not be successful in the war. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a good stuff. This is God stuff here. Amen. <laughs> so we're still in a battle. We're still in war. So I want to share this, and then I want to I want to really focus in on what this means. First Samuel. I'm going to read this scripture, and then I want to I want to focus in on on the coming in. First Samuel chapter. This is where I'm going to I'm, I'm going to camp out at. First Samuel chapter 18, beginning at verse 12. Charlie, you're right because Anthony can attest to it. We'll we'll have church service, and we've had church service where there've been actual fist fights right in the, in the church service at the prison. The guys will separate them up. We'll get everything straightened up. We'll go right back to preaching. So when y'all come up here, I get you a little. <laughs> but Anthony's got my listen. Anthony will run. He will preserve his own life. I. And he is a lot faster than you think he is. He, he, yeah, he will preserve his own life. Yeah, he can't. He he goes out. Yes. Yep. Yeah. All right. So first Samuel chapter eighteen. We're gonna. I'm gonna focus in on this portion, and I really want you to to see what God says. I have a real burden for the church for reading God's word. I mean, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. And, and one of the phrases in there that it's able to separate between the spirit and the soul. It's able to separate between my will, my mind, my emotions, my, my, my will, and my spirit. It's able to separate between there. And, and so many times we read the word so fast we don't allow the Holy Spirit to show us the mysteries and the, and the, the, the principles that we need to imply so that we can go out and be effective in warfare. Amen? So listen, watch this. Verse 12. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. Now Solomon said that David knew how to do something that he didn't. So let's look at David for a minute. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him the captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore Saul saw that he behaved very wisely and was afraid of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before the people. But what I want to talk about is this. I want to talk about the coming in. We all know what it's like to go out to battle. But let's look at the coming in portion of it. Worship is the beginning and brings God's presence in our life when we're doing this. Look at, look at verse 12. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. The Lord was with David. Why was the Lord with David? Because David was a worshiper. The Psalms. He wrote the psalm. David was a worship. David would come in and sing in front of Saul, and Saul was the, the evil spirit would be settled because David would come in and worship in his presence. And David knew how to worship. David was worshiping when when he before when he was 
a shepherd. David was worshiping when he was a soldier, and David was a worshiper when he was a king. And because he worshiped, the Bible says that God was with him. Now, don't we want God with us? Don't we want that presence of God in prayer and in worship to be with us? Yes, we do. Specifically, listen, My burden is this, my burden is this, that we, we are so busy looking to find out what God's doing that we miss what God's doing, and we're so busy going that we don't remember to come in. Listen, you don't come into God's presence and then go out to battle and leave God's presence there. You come into God's presence and allow God's presence to fill you and prepare you for the warfare, and you don't go out from God's presence, you go out in God's presence. And because you go out in God's presence, because you've come in, you can go out. Because you've come into God's presence, you've allowed worship to, to cleanse you, to fill you, to anoint you, to empower you, to give you wisdom to give you insight, to give you power, to give you the things that you need so that when you go out, you don't go out from God's presence, you go out in God's presence. And so many times we get called or we feel like we're called to go, but we go before we stay, and because we haven't stayed, we have nothing to give when we go. And we go in our own strength. And we, How many of you ever heard of pastors say, I'm burned out? I've been there. <laughs> I, I'm a lay pastor. There is no money in prison ministry. If you want to get a, a, a big congregation and a lot of money, prison is not the place to do it. I mean, I passed the plate one time and I got a bunch of Jolly Ranchers, some rolling papers, and, and uh, uh, get me out of jail free card. It is not the place to go to make money. That must have been good. Caveat, my wife wanted to be here. I have a daughter in college. That's why I'm still working. Um, and she went up to, my daughter needed money. So that my wife was the liaison to take the money. This is my sister, not my wife. She's um, miracle, sitting right there, miracle. But so many times we go out from God's presence. Listen, the, the thing that I want to do I want to go out in God's presence. I want God's power to be in me. I want to walk in God's presence. We don't go out from his presence. We go out in his presence. And then, listen, Jesus, a lot of times people think the Great Commission, Jesus said the last thing that he said was go. Well, it wasn't. It was, it was stay. Because Jesus knew if we didn't come in and stay, we wouldn't have what we needed when he called us to go. And he called us to, to come into his presence and allow His presence to do its work on us, in us, through us, so that we could go out from Him, or go out in His presence, and do the and accomplish the things that He's called us to do. Amen? All right, watch this. The second thing I think that, that brings this to the point is uh, worship brings... Oh, this is good. Worship brings the fear of God. Now, you may think that, that I'm going to go down the avenue that fear is the beginning of all wisdom, but that's not how I want to, I want to address this. If, if we come into God's presence, watch what happens with Saul. Now, Saul was a what? Saul was afraid of David 
because the Lord was with David. Now, if you read Scripture, you'll find out that, that Saul had blown it and God had taken his spirit from him and in fact gave David or gave Saul an evil spirit. So in giving him an evil spirit, the Bible says that Saul was afraid of David and David was in God's presence. So let's break it down a little bit further so that Saul wasn't afraid of David. He was afraid of the presence of God resting on David. Let's break it down a little further. Saul wasn't afraid of the presence of God. It was the evil spirit that was on Saul that was afraid of the presence of God that was on David. Wouldn't it be cool if we walked around with such presence of God on us that when we walk into a room that the very atmosphere changes because the evil spirit that may be resting on somebody else or that place or that, that dominion, may, that stronghold, when we walk into it, the spirit and the presence of God because we've come in and we didn't come out from His presence, we came out in His presence, the Spirit of God rests on us so much that when we walk into a place, that the evil in that particular place is afraid of us. How about this? We, we come into church, we come in, we come in, we get filled, we get anointed, we get what we, 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 we are praising and worshiping God, our Creator, and we remember that He set us free. We remember the attributes and the goodness of God, and we go out in His presence. And when we go out in His presence, we walk into a circumstance, and the devil comes around the corner and wants to beat up on us. How many of y'all know that happens Monday morning about 8.40? Yeah. Amen? And just about the time that evil spirit comes in and says, I want to see the manager. <laughs> Jesus comes around the corner and says, hey, what's going on here? What do you, what do you think you're going to do? You ain't going to mess with my son. Not only is he in my presence, but I'm in him and I'm with him. And because I'm with him, guess what, evil spirit? You got to go. Wouldn't that be cool to walk around in that kind of anointing, that kind of power? Because we've come into God's presence. We've allowed God's presence to move in such a way we've humbly laid ourselves out before God and search me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Know my heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Amen? And we've, we've, we've stepped in humility into the presence of God and because we have, we've allowed His Holy Spirit to cleanse us, to, to move in us, to anoint us, to give us wisdom, to give us power. And when we walk into a room, the very atmosphere changes because the evil that's in that place is truly afraid, not of us, but the presence of God that's in us. Brother, don't think for a split second that I don't pray before I go into a prison. I have seen, I've been in prisons in Russia, Latvia, Estonia, Mexico, Haiti, death row. I've, I, I, the, the guys that did the baseball bat murder out here, I've ministered to them. And I'm, I don't go in there uncovered. Before I go out, <laughs> I come in. Because I want the presence of God. Not me. I'm six foot, 200 pounds, and I'm going to tell you something. I've seen some animals behind bars. <laughs> and they're, listen, I don't want to be in my presence. I don't want to be in my strength. I want to be in His. I want to be, I want to have the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Anointed One, the, the, the One who spoke it and it happened. 
in me, with me, behind me, in front of me, around me, so that when I go in, I don't go in from his presence, I go in his presence. And then the evil, listen, I don't have an opportunity to minister if I don't get an opportunity to get him sit down and listen. <laughs> and when they sit down and listen and hear the gospel, of the, listen, I've had guys come in with an assignment to hurt me. And the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of the Word of God, not me, and the presence of the Holy Spirit changes their heart and that, that person that came in to hurt me ends up leaving saved. In fact, there was a guy. His name was Tiny. And you don't call a guy Tiny because he's tiny. He's 6'9", 4'10". The word on the compound was he was benching 700 pounds and, and squatting a, a truck. And, and me being the smart individual that I am, I said, well, if he doesn't know Jesus, he's a punk. And me being in the prison system, that particular person couldn't wait to run tell Tiny what I said. And then I'm five minutes later, I turned around and there was an eclipse. <laughs> Did you call me a punk? <laughs> I said, you have to sign in before we can talk. <laughs> the anointing, it hit me. <laughs> and he signed in. I said, now you got to stay. And I walked to the front of the pre and I started preaching for my life. <laughs> And, that, and you know, Eric, he's not little, amen? He's a big boy. And he got saved. As, we were, as I was sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not me. It's not me. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. If God can use a donkey to talk to his prophet, he can use any one of us. And he's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. And any time that you sit out there and allow the enemy to tell you that you're not worthy to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ, you've bought into a lie. Because he calls all of us to be ministers. Amen? Amen. Then start ministering. <laughs> anyway, he came in and we talked and, and he sat and I preached and he gave his life to Christ. And, and, and what a wonderful man. Been in 14 homes by the time he was 16 years old. Always called big, dumb, and stupid. He writes poetry. He's a journeyman's electrician. When he got out of prison, I gave him a Toyota pickup truck and he put it on. <laughs> I mean, exactly. But listen, I got to be a part of watching somebody enter the kingdom. I know, listen, I'm acutely aware, and if my wife were here, she'd be giving the other aim. I'm acutely aware of who I am. But I also know this. If I, spend if I spend time in the presence of God, He changes me. That His anointing is on me. That His words are in my mouth. That, that, that He's going to make the weak things of the world strong, and He's going to make the foolish things wise. And David, listen, David... Saul was afraid of David because the Spirit of God was on him. And because the Spirit of God was on him, what he set out to do, he did. He accomplished. Watch this. This is the worship brings wisdom. Watch this. Verse 14. What did Saul ask for? Or Solomon asked for? He asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom. And he said, but there's something I don't know how to do. I don't know how to go out and come in. And, and when we worship, we 
get the wisdom that we're looking for. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore Saul saw this and, and have, saw that he behaved very wisely and was afraid of him. But all of Israel loved David because he went out and came in before the people. Listen, David behaved wisely. Why did he behave wisely? Because the anointing of God was on him. I think it's time that some of the people in the church start behaving wisely. But listen, lean not unto your own understanding. And there's a lot of people in the church that are, are closing the Bible and leaning to their own understanding because they're leaning to their own understanding. They're walking on their anointing, not God's. And when we do that, we will not accomplish what God has called us to do. He's called us to come into His presence and allow His presence to give us wisdom. Come into my... Listen, at first, when I first got started in the ministry, I started uh, uh, having this battle where people would ask me instantly, what seminary did you go to? And, brother, I'm raising a family. I don't have, and I'm working a job, and, and I'm a lay pastor, and there's no time for me to quit my job, go to seminary, and do what, what God's called me to do. So I said, Lord, I don't have time to do that, nor do I have the finances, nor, and I, I've laid the fleece out a number of times. I went to seminary, I got accepted to it, and God said, I didn't call you, get back home. Do what I called you to do. And I said, well, Lord, I don't have that degree. And he goes, listen, if I degree you, you're degreed. In fact, listen, if you remember this real quick, it says that the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. And the things that you've learned, Tim, in prisons and in the street and, and in, in, in emptiness, those things that I, you've come into my presence and I've filled those voids. And because I filled those voids, you don't need to go to, to, to cemetery and, and get a cemetery degree because I think that, that, that education kills a lot of pastors. And it makes them smart, but it doesn't make them Christ-like. It doesn't make them wise. And God's calling us, listen, <laughs> there, listen, there is a task that God's calling this church to. He's calling this church, and this, as I prayed about it, Lord, what, what word do you have for Identity Church? Go. When I first gave my life to Christ, I said, okay, to my spiritual father, I said, his name was Louis Osborne, wonderful man of God, an anointed, if, he, if it said it, he did it. I watched him try to walk over a puddle one day. Honest to God, watched him do it. He, he said, he turned around, his shoes were wet, he goes, maybe next time. I was like, praise God, this guy's, I mean, but he used to tell me, he said, Tim, never forget, never, ever forget that two-thirds of God's name is go, not stay. And he said, what's wrong with the church is the church is getting this, we get in our cubby holes and we get in our cliques and we get in our little um, Bible studies and we, we dissect the word of God and we talk about the deep things of God, but nobody's going. He goes, what I want you to do is I want you to come into my presence. I want you to come into those Bible studies. I want you to come into that church. I want you to come into that worship service. I want you to get the anointing. I want you to get the wisdom. I want you to get the unction. But then I want you to go. Because, Pete, listen, the simple fact of it is this. Why I go to the prisons is this, because I've watched men die and go to hell. I've watched women die and go to hell without Jesus Christ. 
and that I don't know what's wrong with the church, but we, we've almost forgot those, those chapters in the Bible that, that people's eternal destination rests on whether or not we share the gospel with them. And they're not going to a camp. They're not going to purgatory. They're going to a place where the worm doesn't die, the flame doesn't go out, where the torment is day after day after moment after moment after moment, and it's a place of torment, weeping, gnashing of teeth, and we have the word of eternal life. But because we're so busy, and this isn't for you, this is for my church too, but we're so busy coming in that we forget to go out. Now, I'm going to tell you, the enemy plays with me. I don't know if he does you. There's many a days, 31 years of going to the prison, going to the jails, going to the prison, going to the jails, going to the prison, going to the jails. One time I was driving out, and it was Pastor Appreciation Day. And I'm sitting at a traffic light, 7 o'clock in the morning on my only day off, heading to the state prison, the maximum security prison, and I'm... Th the enemy says, you know what they're giving your pastor for Pastor Appreciation Day? They're giving him a car. What are you getting? It's a nothing. <laughs> and the enemy started working on me. And I started thinking, listen, I'm out here going, and nobody even knows. And God is my witness. I clicked on the radio, and got, you know, because music always helps a pity party. I clicked on the, the radio, and then the, and the, the song on the, on the radio was, You Are Not Alone. <laughs> and I said, okay, Lord, I get it. I started weeping and get to the prison. First song, I said, you guys got three songs, do three songs, and they can stretch three songs into three days. And I said, do three songs. First song, guess what the first song was? You Are Not Alone. God sees what you do when you go. If no one else sees, he sees. I'm encouraged to know that there are people that I'll never see again that have given their life to Christ. They've come in to do me harm in a prison system, in the service. They've given their life to Jesus Christ. They've prayed. They've gotten out. They've gone back to their dorm. They've been transferred, and I've never, I'll never see them again. But there will be a day when I breathe my last breath and I'm absent from the body and I'm present with the Lord. And I want to believe that there's going to be a bunch of people that get to, I get to fellowship. I get to have the pleasure of seeing again because when God called me to go, I was, I was faithful to answer his call. Amen? All right. And listen. I think that's the biggest enemy or, or the biggest lie the enemy tells a believer is you're not capable. You? I know what you did last night. Well, I know what I did last night and I shouldn't be standing here. It's time to get real. God used imperfect people to further his kingdom. David blew it multiple times. Stole the woman, stole the guy's wife, had him killed, covered it up. A couple years pass. He thought he got away with it. 
But God greatly used him, and God penned in his scripture through the Holy Spirit, because nothing's in here apart from the Holy Spirit, and called David a man after his own heart, knowing what he would do. God's anointed us. If, if you have professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are an heir to the throne. You're a child of the King. You are a vessel of His Holy Spirit. And you, and you have a call on your life. And He, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, makes us qualified. I believe that the Bible also tells us to study to show ourselves approved. So I don't sit at home and think that I'm going to get this by osmosis. I study this word so that I can allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me. And through his word, he speaks. I can't tell you how many times I've read this scripture and then to find it again and read it and God reveals something new. Because guess what? His mercies, they're new every day. And let's do this. I, I, <laughs> I have to go to work after this. <laughs> the guy that was going to cover for me <clears throat> was one of my... He, he, one of my best friends, uh, a guy named Big John, I get these big guys around me. Big John was a, a pagan uh, enforcer for the pagans and 35 years ago came down here and on a big drug deal from New Jersey. And, and I don't know if you know Marino's Pizza, but Marino's Pizza, Mr. Marino was his uncle and about that tall and just a spirit, spirit I mean a giant in the, in the, in the kingdom, just a and um, he, he uh, challenged him to come to church. And John was high on meth, and, and uh, he challenged him, come to church. He says, God don't want me in church. I'm high. He said, I'm high right now. He goes, come to church. So he went to church, and John got slain in the spirit in front of 200 people and went down high and got up a born-again child of the Most High God, sober, clean, and stayed that way for 40 years, 42 years, as a matter of fact. Well, he died this last Thursday night, and I got to be there when he passed, and I got to hire his son who got out of prison. He's one of my salespeople. And he was going to cover for me today, but because of the death, he's with his family. So I get to go to work after this. and and uh, But I want to share this. I want to, I want to share this. And this. How many of y'all know that, that you read the Word of God sometimes, and you just go, I don't know about you, but I just go, what? I, I mean what do you mean? And I promise you, ask, and he'll reveal it. Or, 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 or take it in context. Go back. Go forward. Look up the other sections. So, listen, I, I, the last place I found this, and I looked for almost all of the places, I looked for all the places I could find to go out and come in. Amen? And when this, this is the last context that I found, and it's in Ezekiel. And when I first read this, and I've, I, 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 I have a discipline in the Spirit, and one of my disciplines is to read the Word every day. And I read the Bible through every year. And, and I, that's just a discipline. Like, I, I exercise. It's a discipline. Um, I go to work. It's a discipline. I don't cheat on my wife. It's a discipline. Amen? I, so I read the Word of God so that the Word of God can speak to me, so I can get the revelation I need so that I can go out. So... This was the last place that I found this, and it's in Ezekiel chapter 47, or 46, verse 9. 
And this is one of those, you read it and you go, what? <laughs> Let me read it to you and then I'll show you what the Holy Spirit showed, showed me. But when the people of the land come before the Lord on the anointed feast days, whoever enters by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate. Whoever enters by way of the south gate shall go out by way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate through which he came, but shall go out through the gate on the opposite side. And I read that and I was like, okay, so if there's an ice storm or we get snow in Florida and I go in the front of the church because there's ice and God knows I might fall, he wants me to go out the back of the church. And he goes, no, you don't got it, Tim. That's not it. <laughs> Okay, so if I go into church and I run into somebody who, I, I go in the, the, the front door on the left and, and I see somebody who I sold a car to and it's having transmission, of course I go out the back door to the right. <laughs> no, son, that's not what I'm talking about. I said, okay, Holy Spirit, show me what you're talking about. Don't miss some of these words. But when the people of the land come in before the Lord, on an appointed feast day, whoever enters, that's what, what we do when we come in, we enter, shall not go out the same way that he came in. So what the Lord's saying is, he said, if you come in tired, you're going to leave refreshed. If you come in battered, you're going to leave emboldened. Listen, there was only three times that they came in from war. Listen to this. There's only three times that they came in from war to come into his presence. They came in because they were either winning the battle and they wanted to give God praise, or they came in because they were losing the battle and they wanted to find out why, or they had or they or they had or they were in the middle of the battle and and it wasn't going as well as they and they needed to get refreshed. So they came in three ways and they left three ways. But the Bible's telling me here, whatever way that I come in to God after being out in the battle, and let me tell you something, my job, my life, my work, society, where God places me every time I get behind the wheel of my truck, every time I stand in a line that says 10 items and they got 12, there's a battle. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> and, I, and then you take six days of that, and by the time the sixth day rolls around, I need me some church. And I may be tired, I may be defeated, I may be wore down, the battle may not have gone my way, but when I come in and I get into His presence, I don't ever leave the same way as I do when I came in. I always, if I'm honest with the Holy Spirit, I always leave the exact opposite way I came in. If I was defeated, I'm encouraged. If I come in beat up, I leave refreshed. If I come in empty, I leave full. And what God's, listen, what God is telling me in these end times, in this time that we stand in front of that, that is unlike anything we've ever been through as the church, whether it be Protestant, Catholic, I mean, those of us who call Jesus Christ Lord, we are going through something that has never happened before in our lifetimes. Everything's different. The battle still rages, and it's as though the enemy is winning, and there's never been a time where the body of Christ should learn one thing more than ever before, and that's to come into His presence. 
And when we come into his presence, we find what we were looking for. With it, the emptiness is filled. The anointing is on us. And then I leave when I have truly worshipped God. That's the key. David was a worshiper. And then when I come into worship, I don't want to concentrate on anything other than Jesus Christ and what he's doing and where I'm at in life. And, and Lord, I need you. I'm empty. I'm hurting. I'm, I'm this. I'm that. And the, the Holy Spirit meets me in this place where we come together and he empowers me, he anoints me, he strengthens me, and he gives me the wisdom and the will and the desire to go back out to do the battle that he's called me to do. We have to learn this. How to come out, or how to, how to come in and go out. There's never been a time in, in my life or in my walk with Christ that I think it's more important for us to be who God's called us to be. Not be somebody who says I'm something, but then manifests something different. But that's somebody who's real. That, listen, Saul was afraid of David because he knew the presence of God because he had experienced it at one time. And he recognized it, and the evil spirit that was around him recognized the spirit of God and was afraid of him. Guys, listen. I know that Charlie's doing a, a wonderful work here. But every day, you know, the, 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 my wife asks me, and, and non-believers ask me all the time, but my wife will, reminds me, Tim, your gas tank doesn't go empty in this avenue. And I, and, and I have one answer for people who ask me, why do you go to the prison? Why do you do what you do? Why do you go to them? Why would you minister to a guy that raped his nine-month-old ba baby? Why would you go minister to somebody who just beat four people to death with a ball bat? Why would you waste your time on that person? <laughs> They're a soul. Like I was. I was lost. I was empty. I was alone. I was broken. And I was on my way to a place called hell. And I deserved it. And January 13th, 1988, in an 8x12 cell, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And he came into that place and he saved me. And then he called me. And I know that I can't go out from his presence. I have to go out in his presence. And guys, listen, I'm going to tell you this. The world is longing. The world is longing for us to show up with the anointing of God on our lives. They're hungry for it. They don't know it, but they're hungry for it. And the simple fact is, is how will they hear unless somebody tells them? Well, I, uh, what will I look like? Who cares? I'm always reminded of what I looked like when I gave my heart to Christ. I should have had a picture of that. In fact, I do. In Marion County, it's like this. And no, I'm teasing. <laughs> it, well, that was before computers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm getting old. Um, those that have been forgiven much, love much. Those that have been forgiven little, love a little. So 
Saturday morning or Sunday morning when no one's looking, on my day off when I could sleep in, I get out of my bed and I get dressed and I get my credentials together and I take my key off my key ring and I go through metal detectors and I get searched and I get searched again. And I go into a place where people are fighting and getting stabbed and overdosing and dying and gang fights are happening and murder's a commonplace thing and sodomy's a commonplace thing. And I take that Bible and I walk across the compound to a chapel and I open it up and I say, this is what God's done in my life. And because I spent time with God, He's empowered me. He's anointed me. He's given me authority. And I share with people in that place or in those places the good news of Jesus Christ. And I've had the pleasure of praying with hundreds, if not thousands of people to, to give their heart to Jesus. My alcoholic dad, and I'm going to end, my alcoholic dad hated God. I was the first born-again Christian in my family. First one. My sister's a Christian now. I got to lead my mom to the Lord just before she passed last year. But my dad was the funniest. He was the best. He was the... I, I prayed every morning and every night for my dad for 14 and a half years. <clears throat> and I prayed this. Father, it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's not your will that one should perish, but that all should come to, repair, to repentance. And the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, availeth much. That's the old King James. And I said, Lord, you know, I'm right in standing with you because I am the righteousness of Christ in, or God in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are brand new. I'm a man of God, Lord, and because I'm a man of God, I know what your will is, and your will is that no one should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So I'm asking you to save my dad. Not that he joins a church, not that he uh, becomes uh, churchy, but because that he knows the joy of being saved. And for 14 and a half years, I prayed for my dad. And my dad, being an ex-Marine gunny sergeant and an alcoholic, used to tell me where I could put my cross. And it wouldn't fit. It, it just wouldn't. It won't fit. Yeah. And 14 and a half years, every day, on my knees next to my bed in the morning and on my knees next to my bed at night because I have a desire for somebody not to go to hell. And I brought him before the Lord for 14 and a half years. And, and I don't have a, a leave it to beaver family. My brother's wife, first wife, committed suicide. She was empty. They had had abortions. And, and I told him how that kills you and the baby. And after two abortions and the guilt that was from that, she committed suicide. My brother didn't have a pastor. He's a millionaire in South Florida and doesn't know the things of God. So he asked me to do the funeral. So I said, I'll do the funeral and I'm going to share the gospel. And he goes, do what you do. So I shared the gospel. And after dinner, we were at the Olive Garden and having a, a dinner for my brother for morning. And my dad, you'd have to have seen him to, he leaned over and goes, never call me by my name. It was always boy. He leaned over and goes, boy, I want you to baptize me. And I said, dad, chill. <laughs> Don't bring this up now. Cause every time we talk about the Lord, you get nasty. Let's let my brother, let Chris mourn. Let him have a night of mourning, and then we'll talk about this later. He goes, no, I want you to baptize me. I said, Dad, 
I don't know what you've heard about baptism, but it doesn't do anything for you. It's an outward profession of an inward faith. You get baptized to show the body of believers that you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And until you've done that, go take a bath. Because there's no medicinal qualities to it. And he goes, well, I did that. And I said, you did what? You took a bath? And he goes, no, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ two nights ago on my knees next to the TV with John Hagee. I gave my heart to Christ. And he said, and I want you to baptize me. And I got to baptize my dad in my backyard in a redneck pool. <laughs> and I baptized my dad, and he went under the water. And I baptized him in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when he went under the water, he came up. And when he came up, he gave me a hug. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, See, son, delight yourself in the Lord, and I will give you the desires of your heart. But I want to show you something even better, Tim. I've changed the desires of your heart. Because you used to desire the things of the world, but now you desire the things of the kingdom. And because you put the kingdom first, I'll always honor that. Yes. And my whole family has come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of my walk with God. And because I come in, because I press in. When hell breaks loose in my life, I know where to run. I run to the Word. I run to my God. I run to my Savior. I run to the Holy Ghost. When all hell breaks loose, and I'm going to tell you this, the last two years have been nothing short of hell for me. I've lost four loved ones and and... We'll just, and, and, and then some. I know where to run. <laughs> I know where to go. I come into his presence. 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 I dogmatically come into his presence. And I find what my soul thirsts for every time. And it empowers me to go out. And then I know what my call is and I go fulfill it. Church, church, never forget there are those who are dying and going to hell without Christ. And just like I would be a ridiculous man to walk into my weight room and look at the weights and think I'm going to catch a physique. I don't look at my Bible and think I'm going to catch the things of God. <laughs> Amen? You don't get that physique by looking at weights, do you? You get it from getting underneath them and pressing against the pressure that presses against you. <clears throat> and the more I press against the pressure that presses against me, the better shape I come in. The better shape I'm in, the more I'm able to go out. And I've learned to be dogmatic. In my, I'm still a fighter. I'm still fighting fights. I always used to have a black eye. It would just change sides. Now I fight for the kingdom. And when I get my tail whipped, when I blow it, when the world kicks my rear end, I know where to go. I come into His presence. I come into my prayer closet. I come into my Word. I come into my easy chair and I kick my feet up and I spend hours in God's presence so that I'm equipped to do what He's called me to do. Brothers and sisters, I love you. I love Charlie. You Listen, you have a man of God that runs and, and you're following. You have a man of God that's faithful to, to follow the unction of the Holy Spirit and... and, and Count yourself grateful. We may be few in number, but <laughs> that's I'm, 300 took out an army, I think. Would, yeah, I'm, yeah. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to identitychurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages. 
read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.